This is a Federal News Network podcast. Now in its 31st year, the Nun Perry Mentor Protege Program is a premier way the Defense Department recognizes individuals whose personal growth has helped deliver crucial capabilities to warfighters. Here with more about this year's program, the director of DOD's Office of Small Business Programs, Farouk Mita. Mr. Mita, good to have you on. Great. Thank you for having me. And the director of the Mentor Protege Program, Casey Diaz. Ms. Diaz, good to have you on. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. This program then, again, dating back 31 years, is industry to industry. Explain how it works, Casey. Yes, it's been 31 years, and and this program is, is what you would consider industry to industry. In the National Defense Authorization Act back in 1990, um, this program was authorized um, for the Small Business Office to implement, and it was as a result of our prime contracts within the DOD um, having tr- a challenge with their small business partners, um, having uh, capable uh, capable small businesses that had the skill sets to perform um, on subcontracts and to perform competitively. And so out of that uh, is the came the mentor-protege program where we have our large prime contractors mentoring our small uh, small businesses. And Farouk, how does this fit into the larger sense of what the Office of Small Business Programs is trying to accomplish writ large? Yeah, you know, the Small Business Programs Office is really, our focus is to increase opportunities for small business participation. And now, especially uh, with the emphasis from the Biden administration with several executive orders the president has signed out regarding supply chain resiliency, equity and procurement and competition, the mentor protege fits really cleanly into that because what we're doing is we're bringing in underserved communities as protégés, or sorry, companies from underserved communities as protégés, our socioeconomic groups. We're bringing in new entrants and we're helping them become part of the defense supply chain, partnering with a successful firm that's done business with us before, usually a large company. And the data shows that it's successful. Every year, our protege firms who are either in the program or are in the program contribute 3 to $4 billion a year of work towards the DOD requirements and missions. So it's a really successful program from my view. And how are the companies that wish to participate chosen? Is it a self-selection process? You've got the big businesses that are the mentors. And how do the protégés get chosen? Casey? So the protégés are chosen. Usually there is already a business relationship um, between that mentor and that protégé. And and so um, that's one way that our our small businesses enter into the program. The other way is that there are criteria that um, our small businesses have to meet. They have to either be a small disadvantaged uh, business, a woman-owned small business, a hub zone, or a service-disabled veteran-owned small business, or an entity that employs the severely disabled. And usually what happens is they will look for a mentor, look for a mentor that they may already have done business with, or they may reach out to um, 
uh, our office or one of the services or agencies um, that host these agreements, and they will ask for uh, a list of approved mentors. And so um, there's there's several ways that, that, that they can come into the program to finding a mentor. And Farouk, you mentioned that there are metrics and numbers to show that this program has been successful. What are some of the indicators that the protege has come along far enough such that they're worthy of being called out each year? Yeah. So, you know, there's a few different things we look for in terms of the metrics of the program. We look for job creation. So we see that protege firms are actually growing and creating jobs. We look for the amount of work and they, and they give us this information annually as a part of uh, annual, annual submission to our office. We look at the job creation. We look at the prime or subcontracting work those protégés are doing. And oftentimes we see that the mentors are bringing these protégés in as part of their supply chains. And we're seeing that they're working together on our, many of our large programs. So we see a lot of success there. Uh, one thing that I'll add is we also uh, target the program to non-traditional suppliers. So we get new companies coming in that have never done business with DOD before, and they may have a great capability, but they need help with certifications, with learning how to write a proposal, with engineering support, with other technical uh, and professional support. So the mentors provide that. Our program at DOD is a little bit different from the federal government program and that we actually reimburse the mentors for the costs of providing that business development assistance to the small businesses. We're speaking with Farouk Mita. He's director of the Defense Department's Office of Small Business Programs and with Casey Diaz, director of the Mentor Protege Program. And that was a question that I had uh, is what is the incentive for the mentor to enter into this program? Because they've got sometimes rosters of hundreds of small businesses that are part of their supply chain for a, you know, whatever contract they might be working on. So the incentive for the mentor is that they, they are now enhancing um, the capabilities and the quality of products and services for their customers within the federal agency. So as they mentor their small businesses, um, they know uh, and they have they have confidence knowing that they have themselves mentored that small business. So there's the furnishing of the technical and business assistance that, that Mr. Mita just spoke of. Um, and then there's also um, the fact that uh, for this program, um, it helps them to know that their small businesses um, are going to be competitive and uh, as they seek out going for procurement opportunities together. So they know that either they will either subcontract to their protege or the protege may be the prime and in turn can subcontract to their mentor. And you mentioned, Mr. Mita, that this program focuses on innovative companies. So it seems as if in some ways, this is hand in glove with the Defense Innovation Unit, which is looking for non-traditional new types of contractors that can come in and help DOD with some of the some of the innovation and fast action that it needs. Yeah, no question, because a lot of the a lot of the companies that DIU works with are commercial companies, new entrants that haven't done business with us before, and some of those companies get prime contract awards, but some of them 
we look to integrate their capabilities into a larger system. And Mentor Protege is a good hook to allow those companies to get the support from an experienced prime that may actually have a contract uh, for a program that we need the capability uh, to transfer into. So yes, there's definitely a connection, a connection there. Because a small innovative company could maybe get an OTA contract or a one-of type of thing, you know, other transaction authority. But if you hook up with a giant, you know, say Jacobs Technology or SAIC, General Dynamics, then you can really turn that into almost an annuity, ongoing business. Yeah. And this goes back to the ongoing issue that we always talk about, which is the valley of death. And as we are leveraging prototype OT authorities for non-traditional companies, how do we then take what they've prototyped and do full-scale integration uh, and technology transfer? And this is a good, this is one of our tools in the toolkits to help us do that. And maybe give us a couple of examples from this year's program that illustrate how Mentor Protégé works. Sure. Uh, we have one of the winners. Uh, it was an, uh, out of the Department of the Air Force, and it was between IBM and Red Horse Corporation, and they partnered with uh, Morgan State University. And with this agreement, in the two years, Red Horse and IBM worked together under the Air Force Mentor Protege Program, um, where Red Horse delivered innovative technology solutions that benefited the warfighter of today. And from working with the Air Force Advanced Research Laboratory, um, leveraging IBM's uh, Watson capabilities to make scientific and engineering information easier to consume, to deliver decisions and quality data to the intelligence, surveillance, and recognizance enterprise, Red Horse and IBM worked really well together to support the DOD mission in that regard. We also had from the Missile Defense Agency between Parsons Corporation and Trident Technology, they, they partnered with Alabama State University. And as a result of that mentoring, Trident uh, has been determined to be NIST compliant and is able to execute contracts containing uh, NIST and DFAR requirements to support the warfighters and, and their missions. Trident was selected as the prime contractor for the ground-based air defense program manager support services for the United States Marine Corps. So we have just, you know, our protégés and our mentors are supporting our warfighter efforts and supporting across the department um, the different uh, services and agencies and subcommands within. So we, you know, they stand across all of DOD. Anything else we need to know about the program? Yeah. We know, as Casey said, you know, we, the program is contributing to many of our major programs, the F-35, others on a daily basis. We've also leveraged the program to help small businesses comply with cybersecurity regulations. Right now, there's a big question in industry. and We've seen our small businesses at risk of cyber threats. So we have a program called Project Spectrum. The website is projectspectrum.io, and we're really providing tools, tool analysis, self-assessments, training to all small businesses, whether you're in the Mentor Protege program or not, to learn how you can become cyber ready to do business with the department. It's an amazing resource, and it's free. It's at no cost to companies. So I think that 
all small businesses interested in doing business with DOD or the federal government should definitely check it out. All right. Sounds like that'll help them get through that CMMC program when that gets off the ground. I would say it's tailored towards general cyber hygiene and readiness. But yes, we have some trainings related to that as well. Okay. Farouk Mita is director of the Defense Department's Office of Small Business Programs. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having us. And Casey Diaz is director of the Mentor Protege Program. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll post this interview along with a list of this year's winners at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual, uh, afloat commands. Uh, The first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from sea to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual. 
and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy, and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy, and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment. And it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons and in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. <clears throat> um, 
During my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. Hi, it's Kristen. Did you know that not doing things is easier than doing them? There's a lot of things to do, especially this time of year. But when you don't do things, there's more time to do things. Does that make sense? What I mean is when you use Shipt to get everything from gifts to groceries delivered same day, you have more time for the things you want to do. To not do things so that you can do other things, visit shipped.com slash holiday. That's S-H-I-P-T dot com slash holiday. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.